Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom news radio one episode at a time. I'm your host, Jordan, and here with me is my very adequate wife. I'm more than adequate. <laughs> and my name's Kayleen. I won't settle for adequate when it comes to being a wife. I'm a good wife. Today we'll be talking about Season 3, Episode 2, entitled Review. Kayleen, I'd like to ask at the top of the show, how are you doing? Don't do it. <laughs> I'm great. Yeah? Here we are. We're doing this. I'm sticking with it. She's loving it. I'm... You're the most adequate podcast host, I know. I think I'm... Yeah, I'm adequate at the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm ready for winter to be done. Yeah. Today it was like 50 degrees out. I know. Fool spring. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing great. You're so happy. I am. I can feel your happiness when we sit down and Mm -hmm. do this. Do you want to tell them what made this a good week for me? Oh, well, Jordan had his birthday, Mm -hmm. which was a great day. And then his uh, extraordinary wife got him possibly the best present he's ever gotten. I did say there is nothing, no no physical thing she could have gotten me that I would have liked more. I know. And that is true. She got me a cameo saying happy birthday from the one and only Dave Foley. I took a reaction video of Jordan while he was watching the cameo. Um it was like a mixture of watching a man trying not to cry, trying not to have a heart attack, and trying not to barf, like all of the same Yeah, time. that's that's a good description of the emotions I was feeling. And yeah. then afterward, you had to lay on the floor. And take deep breaths. <laughs> take yeah. a few deep breaths. <laughs> it was adorable. How many times have you watched it? Um, less than a dozen. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wondered, I wasn't sure if you would like watch it and then be like not able to watch it again. Uh, No. No, I have not been unable to watch it again. Um, but yeah, he he just did a really nice job, and I, I really felt very touched by hearing him say happy birthday to me. And we alerted him to the existence of this podcast, Kaylee yeah. did. So. Yeah, Dave Foley, if you are listening, hello. Hello, and thank you for the lovely cameo. Yeah. It really made me very happy. Yeah. And thank you for making cameos for people. Yeah. So... Happy birthday, Jordan. Yep. Thanks to Dave Foley. And onward. Onward and upward. Mm hmm. So, Kayleen, what have you been watching lately? Mm. Um, I'm actually liking this season of The Bachelor. I have to say, I like the guy. Mm. Um, I haven't told you this yet, but they're getting close to like fantasy suite week, mm-hmm. you know, which is like. The last few years, the the big drama has been people are having sex during the fantasy suite. And now it's confirmed. People have sex mm-hmm. on the show. And and then there was this, a few seasons where it was sort of like they were shaming people for being upset that they were like, hey, you're supposed to propose to me in a week, but you're sleeping with someone else and I'm just supposed to be cool with that. Right. And they were kind of shaming people like, like oh, you're being you're slut shaming. Like, let people have sex if they want to, blah, blah, blah. Which, (laughs) yeah, I think it's fair to say, like, if you want to spend your life with somebody, it's okay for them to be upset that their, I don't know, potential partner is having sex with someone else a week in advance. Anyway, uh, the new guy 
has said he will not be having sex with any of the women. Mm. So now he gets to have the moral high ground. Mm-hmm. I don't like him necessarily because of that, but I just think he, I like him. So look out, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a chance. <laughs> What's his name? I honestly don't even know. You don't remember? I have no idea. Oh, okay. He's Ken. I don't know. They're all just Ken dolls. Sure. I was going to give him a shout out in case he listens to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, are you interested in a 40-year-old woman with two children that's been married for a decade? She's got a podcast with her (laughs) husband. (laughs) Call me. Um, So I've been watching that, and I've actually enjoyed that. Oh, and then I got a membership to Peacock because I just needed to watch The Office again. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely is a, a very soothing show for me. So I've been watching it and on Peacock they have super fan episodes mm-hmm. that include all of the deleted scenes. And so it actually feels in some way like I'm watching it for the first time again cool. because yeah. the episodes are some of the, some of them have footage I don't remember ever seeing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun. That's cool. So that's what I'm watching. Nice. What are you watching? Well, I was going to say speaking of Dave Foley, we watched a movie that featured him not that long ago. Do you remember we watched blast from the past yeah i already blocked that out but yeah (laughs) it was just so dumb (laughs) it was so dumb blast from the past is a movie from 1999 about a boy whose parents raise him in an underground like nuclear fallout bunker and he comes up in the 1990s and it stars um brendan fraser and alicia silverstone and there's a small part by Dave Foley. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Blast from the Past? I don't even remember it. Like, there's nothing to remember. Like, oh, yeah. Um, I remember thinking Alicia Silverstone was a bad actress. Mm. And the plot was kind of funny. Like, it was a funny idea. It's such a funny premise. Yeah. And then it was not a terribly funny movie. Yeah. And then I, and then I moved on. Yeah. Tell them about the show we watch together, Jordan. We have been watching a show on Apple TV called Shrinking. I really liked starring it. Starring Jason Siegel. Yeah. About a psychologist who kind of uh, flips out and decides to kind of go rogue and give his patients more direct advice. Well, his wife dies, and yeah. then that's going to real, that's going to mess you up pretty good. Yeah. And then, sort of as a coping mechanism, he gets too personal with his patients Mm -hmm. and yeah it's i really enjoyed it yeah it's okay it's heartwarming in a kind of annoying way but not too bad it's the thing i don't like about it is it's a show that you're supposed to kind of be like oh this is normal life and nothing about it is like normal people like the teenagers in high school are way too witty way too attractive clearly played by 23 year olds yes yeah um, just the banter back and forth is too quick, quick witted. Mm-hmm. Um, the houses are way too beautifully. It's like, it's like a staged comfortableness that a house yes. is supposed to have, but it's still too nice looking. Yep. But it's a good show. It's fine. It has a soundtrack that I was telling Kayleen just oh, like yeah. perfectly hits the like early aughts 
indie rock center mm-hmm. of my brain. <laughs> yeah, the music is good. Yeah. Okay, anything else? No. Should we jump right into it, Kayleen? I suppose so. Let's do it. This is Review. It first aired September 25th, 1996. It was written by Josh Lieb, directed by Tom Sharonis. We have no new number ones this week. So in terms of the summary from Wikipedia, Matthew discovers the comic strip Dilbert and quits his job when Dave refuses to let him do a story about it. Dave tries to reassure the staff that an underwhelming magazine critique is not as bad as it sounds. In the first scene, we open with Matthew and Joe standing in line at a coffee shop. Dave is at the back of the line, and Matthew waves him forward. So this is a new coffee shop in the lobby of their building. Uh, Apparently, Matthew has been pestering the staff to join him at the opening of this, quote, super secret coffee spot. Um, So they're waiting in line to get coffee. Matthew spots a Dilbert strip taped to the cash register, and he loves it. I love how he assumes that one of the baristas drew it. Like the, you don't even recognize the format of a comic strip in a newspaper. Exactly right. Like the size of it, the it's on newspaper. <laughs> That's right. Um, so he asks if they have fresh fruit smoothies, and uh, they do not. So the annoyed counterman says, no, they don't. So Matthew gets upset, and Dave and Joe trick him into thinking they're all walking out. I will say that there is a guy behind them in line. That is the actual real-life Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert. Oh, the guy that says, like, you know, some of us have jobs to get to. Exactly right. Yep. Huh. That is him. That's funny you say that because, well, I'll bring it up later when Scott Adams, (laughs) in quotation marks, appears. But the fake Scott Adams, I wrote in my notes, that is exactly what I thought Scott Adams would look like. Right? And... That guy looks very, very similar. Well, they do look similar, but yeah. yeah, no, the fake Scott Adams they got, we can, like you said, we'll discuss it later, looks exactly like who you think would yes. draw Dilbert. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I wrote. Yeah. The guy from Groundhog Day. Stephen Tobolowski. Yeah. Needle Nose. N- Needle Nose Ned. Ned Ryerson. Yeah. Ned Ryerson. Yeah. He looks like Ned Ryerson. Too. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did like is that Matthew, and I'm not sure if Andy Dick improvised this, but he asks Scott Adams, or the guy behind them in line, if he's seen the strip. Like, have mm. you seen this? And, and Scott Adams gives this real, like, dismissive, like, eye roll, head shake, like, no, nah, I don't uh, care about sure. this. I just thought that was kind of funny. I noticed the menu. I don't know if you looked at the menu behind the I register. It, all, it only listed different types of coffee. Well, he said like different, all they have is coffee. Right, but then there was an espresso machine back there, too, because I saw that. But you know what the most expensive thing on that menu was? What? $2.50. Really? And it was, like, <laughs> coffee. Yeah. Just crazy. And then it got me thinking about, like, when did coffee shops even really become a thing? Because, I mean, there's always been coffee in diners, mm-hmm. right? But when places open that, like, their entire purpose of business is just to serve coffee mm-hmm. um that must have become a thing kind of in the 90s maybe 80s i don't know yeah i won't lecture about this but that's what they call third wave coffee is mm. for in the 90s when um i mean it really kind of came out of the pacific northwest and starbucks and things like that right is it kind of spread across north america um coffee shops specifically because i was just thinking about that menu and i'm like i mean maybe they would have had a 
cappuccino or mm-hmm. something, but yep. Yep. there's no way they would have had non-fat whip frappe latte. <laughs> Not quite. Mochaccino. <laughs> this is very coterminous with friends, and they were always drinking big lattes and cappuccinos out of those mm. big mugs at Central Perk. But, you know... They always had mugs, but they they didn't order stuff. Oh, okay. I don't remember. I mean, Rachel worked at the coffee shop for sure. part of it, and like Gunther worked there. And I'm very familiar with friends. I don't remember in my mind a very frequent like, oh, I want a latte, or I'll have a mocha, or I'll have a cappuccino. Like, sure. I feel like it was more like Rachel just brought them over mugs. Of, yes, just giant mugs. Gi- yes, like of things. Yeah. But, hmm. So after the credits, Dave notices the new radio guide on Lisa's desk, and he wants to read it. (laughs) Bill grabs it excitedly. Um, So there's kind of a rule of three happening here. Uh, Dave wants to read the magazine, and then three different people (laughs) prevent him from doing it. So we got uh, Bill snatching it away. It's here, people. The Alpha and the Omega is here. Um, then Catherine comes and takes the other one he wants to read. And then the one he finally gets is Beth. Uh, she tries to prevent him from reading it, um, because she's parking her gum there. So Dave is excited because it's a review of his first year as news director. Um, I really like the (laughs) annoyed look that Beth gives him. (laughs) She, she she gets annoyed with him when he takes the magazine and then she comes and gets her gum back. Mr. James is in Dave's office. Dave tries to sit and read the review, but Mr. James is annoying him. (laughs) Uh, he asks, So, Dave, you have any recent pictures of your mom? (laughs) Mr. James, that's possibly the most distracting question I've ever been asked. I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) just just erase that. Tell you what, from now on, I'm not here. Oh, great. (laughs) I didn't notice he asked if she changed her number again. Yeah. Implying that she's already had to change it. At least once, yeah. presumably because of Mr. James I calling her. <laughs> it's weird. That's funny. So Catherine comes in and she is complaining about the review. She is complaining not because the review says that she is chronically underused. Uh, I think that's funny because that might be actually kind of a reflection of news radio. The show mm, itself yeah. doesn't really use her much. But her gripe is that they spell her name wrong. Um Honestly, this scene to this day is how I remember that Catherine Duke is spelled with a C. So anytime I have mm. to talk about it. What do you think about the difference between Catherine with a K and Catherine with a C? I mean, as somebody who has had my name spelled wrong, I have a relatively unusual name, I suppose. I empathize with people who get really angry when their name is not spelled correctly or pronounced mm-hmm. correctly. So especially if it's in a publication. Yeah. Um, do your due diligence. Look up how to spell it. Like that's right. I do agree with her though that C feels more regal. Mm-hmm. I always liked the name Catherine. If we would have had a daughter, I would have, I think Catherine would have been on my list of like, oh, names I like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Kate with a K feels a little bit more of like a spicy, <laughs> spicy Kate. Sure. Yeah, Catherine with a C. You don't hear people being called Kate and spelling it C-A-T-E very, very often. No, it's more unusual, yeah. Mm. 
the reason that Americans often think of the C spelling as more elegant is because it's the Roman spelling, and any time you can use a K or a C for a spelling of something, we've been conditioned to think of kind of the like Latinate Roman C as being more regal or more noble hmm. or something like I that. I thought of that as like an English royalty, like a Queen Catherine feels like it would be a queen with a C. I don't but know. I don't I don't know enough about any type of any monarchies. I was just reading a book about Catherine of Aragon, and they spelled it with a K throughout. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. Hmm. The main thing that I think of is that our oldest went to school with actually a co-worker's little girl, and her name was Catherine. Oh, right. And with a C. That's right, with a C. And I can't think of the name Catherine without thinking of a specific line from Twin Peaks. There's kind of a scheming, conniving woman in there named Catherine and her husband hmm. catches her doing something one time and goes, Catherine. <laughs> and so just, Yikes. it is this wild overreading of that line. And that's just how I think of the name Catherine now. Hmm. I noticed that Lisa's hair is really short. Hmm. And then I felt like Dave's hair looked short too. It looked like they both were f- fresh off a haircut. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Um, I would have to look it up, but I wonder if, I wonder what the production number of this was. Maybe they did this one before the season premiere. Dave looks like he belongs in the cast of Book of Mormon. Yes. Right? Hello. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So at the end of the scene, Bill comes in and he is gloating about the review. He is very happy that the guide has rated him as Adequate. You know, I really identified with him. Yeah? Yeah. Like, it's your job. I don't know. I think I'm pretty good at my job. But if my if I'm being called adequate, I would be like, fair, great. Because I know I'm not always the best. But I know I'm not the worst. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to me, adequate is not an insult. It's like, good enough. <laughs> and it's my job. That's why, like, I wouldn't accept adequate if you were describing me <clears throat> as, like, an adequate wife or an adequate mom. Because those are things I think, well, one, I care about mm-hmm. more and I do try to, like, put more effort into. And, like, my job, I definitely do. Um, I don't want to be bad at it. Yeah. And I've been doing it for 15 years, so I'd like to think I'm decent, but... You know, I don't need to be a superstar. Yes. <laughs> like, adequate is just fine. Mm-hmm. You know. When I get performance evaluations at my job, it always comes down to one of three modes. Either you're not meeting expectations, you're meeting expectations, or you're exceeding expectations. Mm-hmm. And I'm always happy to be meeting expectations. Oh, yeah. I mean, which is kind of literally the definition of yeah. adequate. Because if you start exceeding expectations... Those become the new expectations. Exactly. (laughs) Well, also, like, if you are expending more of your time, energy, effort to exceed, like, for what? Right. Like, it's not like you necessarily get paid more. You don't get, like, you don't get a plaque. You don't get, you know, any real accolades. Like, if you're going to spend time, energy, effort in something, it should be in something in your life that's hopefully more meaningful than your job. Yeah. You know, you can tell that's not how these people feel about it. I think that Bill cares a great deal about 
not only how he's performing in his job, but probably more so how other people view him in his job. Yeah, I guess it's surprising that he would be okay being called adequate since he thinks really highly of himself. Yeah. Well, that's what he's doing is he's pretending that it's some great compliment. Sure. In the next scene, we've got Matthew out in the bullpen. Matthew has a pile of newspapers on his desk, and he's showing various Dilbert strips to Beth. She is giggling like a lunatic. Um, This reminds me exactly of our son, who is deep into uh, Garfield and wants to show (laughs) me every single Garfield strip. um, Even in the car, he'll say, like, do you want to hear a Garfield strip to me? And he will start reciting them. Yeah. So, again, that's... Matthew is a little boy. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Uh, Matthew thinks that he's discovered a real story here about the whole Dilbert phenomenon, and he wants to report about it on the air. Dave turns him down, comparing Matthew's quote-unquote discovery of Dilbert to sliced bread. In Dave's office, Beth is excitedly telling Mr. James all about Dilbert, even though when she leaves, he admits that he has no idea what she's been talking about. Uh... Dave says, oh, yeah, it's that uh, comic strip. And he has a really weird kind of dark line where he says, Oh, no, hell, I haven't read the comics since I realized Beetle Bailey was never actually going to shoot anybody. I used to read Beetle Bailey. Yeah. I remember reading that. But, like, if I had to tell anyone anything about it, I think I'd be like, uh, characters were drawn really simplistically, and it was about the army. Yeah. That's all I remember. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm not missing anything. No, you're not missing anything. Okay. So Dave tells Mr. James that he thinks their review is a good one. WNYX is reliable and a workhorse. Um, Lisa and Catherine come in and they say that it's a bad review, citing the exact same two words. So I like I always like situations in uh, sitcoms and other media where two people can look at the exact same situation and read it in totally different ways mm-hmm. so they can take the exact same words and say, this review is good or this is review is bad. Mm. I don't think workhorse is a insult. No. Again, if somebody was like, I don't know, your department functions as a workhorse, I'd be like, thank you. Thank you. We work hard. <laughs> right. Like we're reliable. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. As Lisa walks back to her desk, Bill is on the phone bragging about being called adequate. It's one thing, of course, to know you're adequate, but to have a fellow member of the press stand up and say, yes, you, sir, are adequate. Well, let me tell you, it's a very special feeling. So Dave approaches Matthew's desk, which is now covered in Dilbert strips, and he has to tell Matthew really sternly that he cannot do the Dilbert story. I kind of empathize with him because, I mean... I remember Dilbert being a thing and everybody lost their minds. I guess you said that you think that Dilbert at this point would have been like several years old. Yes. Like it would have been old news. Almost a decade. But sometimes also when things have kind of um, are petering out as a trend, Mm. then you get a journalist who will do like a deep dive into that trend and then they'll report on the entirety of the like the birth, the rise, the height, and then the like subsequent fall. And, like, that's a story. Yeah. You know? I don't quite understand why Dave is so opposed to a sort of minor piece that Matthew could do that would make him happy. That's not exactly hard-hitting news, but, like, 
you hear these kind of fluff stories on NPR all the time where oh, it's yeah. like you can tell somebody wanted to do a story about this thing and mm-hmm. it's like, eh, it's fine. We didn't need that. But it was like, okay, that was, that was sort of interesting. Although maybe his thinking is like, Matthew just wants to read Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he doesn't want to report on it as a comic strip. He just wants to report on the actual character of Dilbert. <laughs> And be like, so Dilbert is this guy, and he has a dog, and here's like how the strip has played out over the last few years. You know what? That is a concern that mm-hmm. he would he would report on the world of Dilbert. Right. <laughs> so Lisa is calling the author of the story to give him some feedback, uh, and that feedback is Eugene, you suck. Did you clock the uh, phone book? That's right. She shuts she, the phone book afterward. She looked him up in a phone book. Yeah. But it's weird, though, because I know I'm jumping ahead, but later on we find out Mr. James wrote the story. Yes. So poor Eugene. Fall guy. Was just the fall guy. Yep. Yeah. He was the nom de plume. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't even really exist as a writer for this thing. He's just some guy in the uh, phone book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine getting a phone call and the person's like, hey, hey, Jordan. Yeah. You suck. <laughs> I think I would carry that with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm being honest. You like, actually would. I, I might. I don't know. I especially because you like can't follow up. You can't be like, what no. was that about? Well, at least now you'd be able to like you know the phone number it came from. Yeah. Um, Call them back. Hey, uh, so let's talk about this. Yeah. What was that all about? Well, hey. So Dave goes back into his office and he finds a Dilbert doll on his desk. This is one of my favorite scenes from the episode. It starts talking to him. Clearly it's Matthew under the desk, kind of puppeting it. (laughs) Dave starts berating the doll, (laughs) only to have Bill come in behind him. (laughs) And the camera shot is just perfect because you see Dave talking to the doll. And then you see Bill's kind of uh, nonplussed expression as he comes up behind him. Hey, man, it's me, Dilbert. <laughs> Matthew wanted me to tell you a little something about the comic strip. How many times do I have to tell you no? No. No matter how many times you ask, the answer will remain no. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were in the middle of a meeting. So Matthew confesses to Dave that finding Dilbert has been a real revelation because he thought he was the only one who was scared of his coworkers and his boss. It's actually kind of a, almost kind of a sweet moment right, to be like, yeah. oh, he's like, he's getting something out of right. um, Dilbert. Do you, do you think our oldest identifies with Garfield? <laughs> That's why he likes Garfield so much. That's a great question. He's like, I'm also really hungry. <laughs> I like to beat up on my little brother, much like Odie. You know, I I I like to sleep in, lounge around, be sarcastic. I I wonder what he would say if we asked him to identify what. <laughs> what do you have in common with Garfield? What do you like about Garfield so much? I think that he just likes that Garfield is uh, very deadpan. Also, it can be very slapstick. Yes, he loves slapstick. Uh, one of my favorite little throwaway lines is that Matthew says that he's Dilbert and Dave is the mean boss and that Lisa is like Dogbert or something. <laughs> anytime you watch an analogy just kind of fall apart, it makes me laugh. They're like, okay, you, he he understood enough to like set up that dichotomy between him and Dave. <laughs> just, you've reached too far. You've reached too far, exactly. 
Dave kicks Matthew out of the office, and then Dave sticks the Dilbert doll through the crack in the door to talk to him. <laughs> Bill approaches and asks Dilbert if he can talk to Dave. Um, I love just the minor things of <laughs> Dave's hand actually turns the Dilbert to look at Bill <laughs> instead of Matthew, who he was talking to. So Dave exits his office, tells Matthew not to go into his office. He tells Joe in what he thinks are really clear terms not to assist Matthew in setting one foot inside Dave's office. I feel like he, so dumb. He knows Joe. Yeah. Like, he knows what he's going to do. And he even repeats, like, not one foot. Like No feet. Well, yeah, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Beth asks Dave if he's holding the Dilbert doll, but it, apparently it's just the head and the torsos in the trash. I wonder what that was like for Scott Adams to, like, see <laughs> your main character's stuffed animal beheaded. <laughs> If he felt any kind of, like, upsetness, I think I'd be kind of judgy of him. Like, oh, you think so? Yeah, it's just a stuffed animal. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> My poor character. No, don't do that to Dilbert. In the next scene, Matthew is coming down into Dave's office on some jerry-rigged wires. They're duct-taped around his hips and thighs. Um, he's trying to place a single Dilbert strip on Dave's desk. He sort of, like, looks up and asks Joe if this is how they did it in the movie. Uh, Joe says that he saw Mission Impossible five times, but Matthew thought, oh, they, but Matthew thought they were talking about Peter Pan. So we had talked recently on one of our summer episodes about how big Mission Impossible was at oh, the box right. office yeah. this past summer. And mm -hmm. so here's an example of that. Right. Joe lets Matthew down very roughly and he thunks onto the desk. He almost, his head almost lands in the inbox on Dave's desk. I don't mm. know if you saw that. Perfect physical comedy. When Dave walks in, he sits up very casually and just like puts his head on his... He poses. He poses, exactly. So Dave says, okay, so you did all this to get me to read one strip? And Matthew says, yeah, that's right. One thought that occurred to me is that in a different kind of show, this would actually be kind of a touching moment. They would use this as a, oh, sure. as a moment where Dave would be like, I see how important this is to you. You right. went to a lot of trouble to get me to read one strip. I will read one strip. Right. <laughs> but in this case, Dave literally stares him in the eyes and tears up the strip. I know. I thought that was really like <laughs> unnecessarily cruel. Yeah. And Matthew quits. He tries to leave, but he just sort of flies around the office. Oh, my God. <laughs> saying I, good day, sir. You just really enjoy the physical comedy of Matthew in a way that I just... Yeah, it reminds me of, like, the physical comedy of um, Michael Richards or Cosmo Kramer on Seinfeld. Just, like, I just admire the the physicality of it. Huh. So that's so different to me, because, like, I really love Seinfeld. Yeah. I've seen Seinfeld many, many times. And I would never equate Matthew and Kramer. I mean, they're not terribly similar characters. They have their similarities, but in terms of the physical comedy, yeah, I think that's really similar. Yeah, I guess maybe, I guess they are both physical, but Kramer is in a way that I find endearing and actually funny. And Matthew, uh, I just find like bumbling. <laughs> like Kramer is not bumbling. He's a little bumbling. Mm. He He fits awkwardly into his environment. He's not clumsy. I don't find clumsiness funny. Hmm. Like slipping on a banana peel and fly, things flying in the air and you're like, you're holding a box of papers and they all go flying. Like 
That isn't funny to me at all. Why? And that's like something Matthew would do, but I don't feel like Kramer would do no, that. No, that's fair. Why do I find it so funny to see people fall down? I know. I don't know. I wish it's I weird knew. because in, I think you are one of the smartest people I know, and that feels like a dumb person thing to find funny. No, it does. And I, I, I am aware that it's not exactly highbrow to watch somebody fall down and laugh. Right. I think it has, I, so I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. My best guess is that there's something really funny to me about how we take gravity and like our place, you know, moving through the world sure. for granted. Mm-hmm. And then when that's just gone and we're just like a physical object, it's like silly. bumping around, yeah. like, we're just completely subject to the laws of gravity and physics like every other object. Sure. That is really funny to me. Do you think it's funny when people get hit in the crotch? No, not really. Okay. No. Just because I think that those two things are sort of on par. Very lowbrow. They're both <laughs> America's Funniest Vizios level yes. humor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mm. know. Mm. Listeners, tell me, why do I think it's so funny? Know who you are, Jordan. <laughs> I'm it, not saying it's not funny. I no. will totally cop to it being very funny to me. I just wish I understood why. Why do I like reality television women bickering? I don't know. Listeners weigh in because yeah. I've been trying to figure this out for years. <laughs> so if I. <laughs> All right. In the next scene, Dave and Lisa are in line at the coffee shop. They're discussing the terms used in the review. Okay. What if I said you were reliable in bed? What if I called you a workhorse in the sack? Well, I guess I'd have to say glad to be a service baby. <laughs> You are so white. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's also fine. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Like, you are a very adequate lover. You are a workhorse and reliable. Great. There are worse things to be called. Yeah. Like, great. That has that sounds like it has longevity to it. And mm-hmm. we're married, so yeah. <laughs> like that's good. So Matthew is at the counter. Apparently now he works there. Um, he can't even seem to meet their eyes when they talk to him. I also noticed there are now at least two Dilbert strips on the cash register. I saw that too. They're very confused about why he's working there. They want him to come back and he says, nope, I work here now. He bumps the cash register and it starts beeping. And the very same barista from the beginning comes over and he has to turn it off. And he gives Matthew this really dirty look. Um, I also just like how surprised Lisa looks when Matthew just starts barking. Next, next. You can tell that. That was probably improved or surprised mm. or a tyranny in some way. Back upstairs, Dave and Lisa come into Dave's office. Beth is on the couch. She's despondent that Matthew has quit and is, quote, out of our lives. They tell her that he's not even out of the building. He's working downstairs at the coffee shop. Beth wonders aloud how he can do it. Isn't it so demeaning just getting coffee for people all day? Bill comes in and he says that they should let Matthew sling coffee for a few hours. He'll get bored and come back. And that's when they should kick him away. <laughs> because, quote, those of us who are adequate don't need his kind around. <laughs> so Dave runs into Bill in the men's room a little bit later, asks him if everything's going adequately. Bill leaves and then he immediately charges back in. He says he knows that being called adequate stinks. Uh, Dave says the same about being called a workhorse. I think I was happy with reliable and, and workhorse. You know what a workhorse is? It's a big Clydesdale pulling a fake beer wagon through the state fair with a bunch of drunk yahoos throwing cherry bombs at it. <laughs> you miss Wisconsin, don't you? Again, one of my favorite jokes from <laughs> news radio. Oh, yeah, that was my only lol of the episode. Mm-hmm. 
And I probably only find that funny because I'm from the Midwest. Yeah. So it turns out Mr. James was in the stall and now he comes out and says he thought it was a good review because he wrote it. <laughs> um, he owns the magazine and he says, we call that synergy. So yeah, like you're saying, that means Eugene is I know. the fall guy. Sorry, Eugene. Mr. James is planning to make it up to Catherine for misspelling her name by putting her on the cover next year. In the next scene, the whole staff comes down to the coffee shop to ask Matthew to come back to work. Um, they said, doesn't it mean something that we've humbled ourselves? And Bill says, oh, I didn't realize I was humbling myself. I also noticed that Beth is wearing weird, like, rose-colored glasses. Did you notice that? Yeah, Beth was wearing a lot of weird stuff in this episode. She was, but th- yeah. I think this was the only scene where she was wearing literal rose-colored glasses. Mm, okay. She looked like Janis Joplin or something. So Dave brings out, quote, <laughs> Scott Adams who implores Matthew to come back to work, saying that Dilbert would never leave a company where people love him and care about him. He says, do it for Matthew Burt. And you can just tell how tickled Matthew is to be yes. called Matthew Burt. Uh, once that works, Catherine asks Dave to introduce her to Scott Adams, but it turns out that it's really just an actor who lives in Dave's building. Again, I like the way they used Scott Adams here because a lesser show would have used the real Scott Adams right. as a cameo here. Sure. But the writers decided to like throw Scott Adams into some meaningless role at the very beginning and then have a weird like yeah. guy. <laughs> I still think they look like they could be cousins or something, though. Maybe. They're just kind of nebbishy guys with glasses. Bald. Um, even Scott Adams at the beginning wasn't that bald. I he was. Maybe he had like receding hair, but he had very light, fair colored hair. Mm. One thing I didn't like was that um, Catherine was super rude. Like she found out that was not really Scott Adams and she walks away without even shaking the actor guy's oh, hand. Sure. Yeah, that was yeah. not very classy. Yeah. So Dave says that uh, his friend, the actor, should get out of there before Matthew comes back and asks him to draw a Dilbert on his chest. Matthew tells off his boss, it's that same poor, long-suffering barista, and he jumps over the counter, knocking everything off. That was quite a fall. I mean, like, he really does, oh, like, a, a gainer. And you <laughs> and, and Jordan burst out laughing. Well, I mean, he just really threw his whole yeah. body into it to, like, jump over yeah. that counter. Um, so this means that actually, and I want to point out, that we're ending the episode with a Pratt fall rather than starting the episode with one. So all through season two... Every episode before the credits had Matthew doing some sort of physical gag. We didn't have that at the very beginning. We just mm-hmm. got him to like walk out of the coffee shop. But here the episode ends with him doing a physical gag. So I can groan at the end. Rather That's right. Than the beginning. Yeah. Uh, we get a little bit of attack at the very end. Uh, Dave is sitting at his desk and Beth drops in on Joe's wire system to give Dave a cup of coffee. <laughs> the phone rings and it's for her. So she takes the call as she's slowly lifted toward the ceiling. I found Beth particularly annoying in this episode. Um, what specifically was annoying? The most she's given to do really is like... She's just around. She does not... <laughs> she doesn't like, have much to she do. She doesn't forward in this episode, I guess. She does not forward the plot in any way in not this at episode. All. Nope. And like, she doesn't contribute to any conflict. She just... I guess it speaks to the quality of actress, though that I cannot imagine her not being Beth. Mm. Like, if I saw her, I would not want to talk to her because I would assume she's obnoxious and annoying. Well, speaking of Seinfeld, she had a small role in Seinfeld, if you remember. She was George's secretary. 
Oh, right. <laughs> yes. That's he, right. He promised he'd give a raise. Right. <laughs> I'm giving you a raise. That's right. going to bother me. What was her name in that? I don't remember. It's something like, like Rita, but it's not yeah. that. Yeah. It's like, you're a wonder, like Ava. Yeah, Ava sounds right. It's not Ava, though. <laughs> it's like Ada. Now I need to look it up. Okay. Oh, it is Ada. Huh, I'm good. You got it. Yeah, it is Ada. Nice. So, now it's time for... It's the 90s. That's right. Yo, it's the 90s. Kayleen. Jordan. What 90s references did you spot in this episode? Uh, well, besides the obvious Dilbert. Yes. And I also thought a coffee shop is kind of a 90s Yeah, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, the phone book, Calling Eugene, Mission Impossible. Uh, Dave said he, that Matthew threw a spaz. Yep. Which I was like, that's a very 90s thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all. Yeah, you got all of them. I didn't catch anything else that you didn't mention. Well, in that case, game. I think it's now time for I'm ready. The game. Kayleen, are you ready for the game? I am. Five out of ten. In this episode, one of the characters becomes obsessed with a comic strip. Oh, no. I like to imagine what would happen if other characters, or maybe Matthew, became obsessed with other comic strips. (laughs) So in each case, I'm going to give you a situation where one of the characters becomes obsessed with a comic strip, and you have to tell me which one they have become obsessed with which it. comic strip mm-hmm. okay so this is really testing my knowledge of comic strips it is okay uh, you ready maybe um you should be able to do all of these none of these are like <laughs> wild like crazy cat or like, you know no beetle bailey cats and jammer kids or anything like that no idea what that is yep okay question number one Matthew acquires a stuffed tiger, which appears to him as a living anthropomorphic tiger. Kelvin and Hobbes. Very good. Question number two. Lisa eats an entire box of chocolates and cries, Ack! Oh, Charlie Brown? No. Eats an entire box of chocolates? I feel like Charlie Brown has, like, arg, not ack. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Um... Is it Kathy? Very good. It is Kathy. Okay. Yeah. Nicely done. I had to think about it. Question number three. Catherine challenges Joe to a game of paper football, only to pull it away when he tries for a field goal. She then calls him a blockhead. Okay, that's Charlie Brown. (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, peanuts. Peanuts. Very good. 
Question number four. Matthew is shown eating an impossibly tall sandwich and having a beautiful blonde wife. I don't know what the sandwich. Impossibly tall sandwich. For whatever reason, the first one I thought of was dogwood. Do you remember dogwood? No. 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 Okay. She. He just had a really pretty wife. Oh, Kayleen. You're so close. Am I? Yeah. I have no idea. I'm going to give you... Dagwood? I'm going to... Oh, yes. I'm going to give you half a point. Is it Dagwood? That is the name of the sandwich and the name of the character in the strip. But that's Blondie. 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 All right. You... Yep. You got it. I pulled it out. That's she pulled she, it out at the last minute, folks. Yep. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Question number five. Based on her love of Mike the Rat, Beth expands the cast of cute office pets by adding a pig, a goat, and a dim-witted crocodile. Is that Pearls Before Swine? Very good. It is Pearls Before Swine. Okay. Maybe nice. I'm good at this. Nicely done. Question number six. Mr. James eats an entire lasagna and takes a nap. Okay, Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> Question number seven. Joe starts moonlighting as a detective using a homemade two-way radio built into a wristwatch. Okay, I have no idea about this one. A detective... Uh, Does the radio wristwatch do anything for you? No. Okay. Your first miss. That would be Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah. That was not one I read ever. Sure. There were a few. There was another one that I remember that... I remember the style of cartoon was really detailed. And I I can picture where it was in the paper, and I would always skip over it because I was always like, I don't understand. Mary Worth or Apartment 3G or... Yeah, may- Rex Parker or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, one of those boring adult well, strips. And it was also like, it felt like it was always, uh, you had to read it every day because it was like furthering a plot. Yeah. Like they didn't stand alone. Yep. Yeah, those weren't for me as a child. Question number eight. Beth sings and dances on a fence in the middle of the night to the consternation of her neighbors. Well, that happens in Garfield and in Peanuts sometimes. Dances on a fence in the middle of the night. And people throw fish bones at her. I feel like that would be Garfield again. It's a cat thing. Heathcliff. Very good. My clue is going to be, what's the Burger King to Garfield's McDonald's? Right, yes. Yep, Heathcliff. What's the Hydrox to Garfield's yep. Oreos? Yep, no, yep. Question number nine. Dave spends all morning searching the office building for Mr. James. His path around the building is visible as a dotted line. Family Circus. <laughs> I've been waiting on that one. Nicely done. I love Family Circus. And finally, question number 10. Bill starts a mostly unfunny weekly show satirizing current political figures. I don't know. I don't know this one. You remember this one from the comics, though? Maybe. This was one I always skipped because I tried to read it and I was just like, this is from another planet. Yeah, this does not. 
It sounds vaguely familiar, but like it's not something I would have read. <laughs> it just in my head, it's just it's just grown up smoking. Like that's the entire comic strip is this is just grown up smoking and saying weird like what is baffling that? things. That would be Doonesbury. That's the one that I couldn't think of. Oh really? Yeah, that was one I never read, but I always like it was there. I always looked at it and I felt like I was like looking at a magic eye yeah. puzzle trying to understand like what is what is good about this. I thought you were going to say one that's like, I don't know, uh, Catherine has a change of heart and shares heartwarming observations <laughs> about rainbows and while looking at the sunset. <laughs> that's a really good one. What is that? Ziggy. <laughs> oh, I tried to come up with one for Ziggy. I was like, Matthew issues pants and walks around the office. <laughs> just a no, I feel like they have to look at the sunset and like spout heartwarming. Is that a Ziggy thing? Oh, yeah. I always thought of Ziggy as the thing from Seinfeld with uh, Elaine. And I wish I was taller at the <laughs> complaint box. No, to me, Ziggy is always like a, let's find the silver lining, you know, like, and it's at the end of it, it's always like. Holding hands or walking off. I don't know. Maybe I'm way <laughs> off. I also thought maybe you would do Foxtrot because that was one I read. Yeah, that's a good a one. A lot. Yeah. Well, it's hard to get them to fit with these characters. Yeah. This is interesting because I haven't thought about comics in a long time. But I did. I read the comics like every day or Sundays for sure. Yep. Huh. I did pretty Kayleen, well. You got nine out of ten. That's the best I've ever done. <laughs> that's amazing. Congratulations. Right. Well... I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Keelene, this is the point in the episode where oh, we no, recommend. Recommendations. I'm never ready for it. Hmm. Would you oh, like- I know what I'm going to recommend. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Go ahead, please. All right. So the best purchase, Jordan is going to cringe when I share this, but I don't care. He's been cringing okay, with me for wait. 20 years, so I don't care. He knows. He knows what's coming, but I feel a duty to share. Duty. (laughs) That was lowbrow. I feel a duty to share this because it is the best purchase I've made in 2023 so far. Uh, The best purchase I've made in 2023 so far is um, an attachable bidet to our master bathroom toilet. And... A specifically a Tushy brand? It's Tushy brand, but I think that there's lots out there that are probably just as adequate. I went to a local, like, cafe coffee shop and a few months ago, and they had one in the restroom at the cafe, and I was shocked. (laughs) I was shocked. Appalled. I was not appalled. I was just shocked. Um, because I had heard of these before and I had never used one and I was like, well, here we go. Like buckle up. Um, let's see how this goes. And I mean, it was just like a normal toilet. You didn't have to use it obviously. Yeah. But I was like, well, it's here. I I don't want to be rude by not using it. And it was wonderful. And I thought I should get one of these for our house. And it was like 50 or $60. I had been put off by the installation for a long time because mm-hmm. anything plumbing related just intimidates me. Yes. Because I just have visions of like bursting a pipe in my house and yeah. flooding it. But it was incredibly easy to install and 
Um, I notice you now frequent our bathroom a little more as well, Jordan. Oh, do I? Oh, okay. You do. And so um, highly recommend the Tushy Bidet for your bathroom at home. Mm-hmm. It's just more hygienic. It's just better. Um, it's like flying first class. Once you start, <laughs> it's like it's like once you upgrade yeah. to the king size bed, you yeah. upgrade to flying even business class. It's just like yeah, you know how good it is, and now you can't go back. It's like drinking good coffee. Yeah. Once you start drinking good coffee, you can't go back to yeah. like crappy coffee. We've updated and upgraded our toilet, and yep. this is my recommendation that you do the same. <laughs> It was like 50 bucks. You can buy ones that are like hooked up to your hot water and like have warm water. Well, I will say one of the most alarming parts was that I just didn't occur to me that it was going to be cold water. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's the same temperature as the water in your toilet. So Which that is, I test all the time. Stick a finger right. in there just to, <laughs> just to make sure. Feel how things are going. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> I know. We're getting a little, we're earning the E rating on our podcast today. Um, yeah. So I got the I got the the standard basic one, but you can get an upgraded one that's like maybe has more features or whatever sure. for closer to eighty or ninety dollars. But the one I got I think was like fifty to sixty bucks. Okay, cool. So yeah, highly recommend. We are not sponsored by. No, Tushy. I wish they would send us another one. Mm-hmm. We could use another one in yeah. our house. <laughs> All right, I've got mine. I've okay. been thinking about it. For a while. I'm going to take you down a bit of a rabbit hole. Oh, God. But I promise you, I will will return you back to the surface. (laughs) Are you ready? God. I've heard this before. I know where this goes. I know where this hole goes. Okay. (laughs) So, you may know that one of my favorite albums of all time is The Mysterious Production of Eggs by Andrew Bird. Sure. Hands down, probably top five uh, desert island discs mm-hmm. absolutely love that album one of the things i love about it uh, and this is just not something you get in the era of spotify is it has amazing um liner art mm. both the um cover illustration and then for every song on the album it's got a little page with you know some nice drawings with the lyrics i miss that I miss it too. I feel like there was, you're right, like there was a visual art component to music that existed when you would buy records and CDs. And then also music videos. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of hijacking your your recommendation, but like music videos would get so interesting yes. and cool and beautiful and just be so, they were like tiny films. Yeah. And now it feels like music has really lost some of its depth. It's just like a product now we consume. Yeah. Because we don't have either of those things really anymore. It feels very monomodal. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, But that made me wonder, you know, I've loved this album for so long, and I've loved those illustrations. I wonder who did the illustrations. Mm -hmm. So I got, did some digging, found out that it was a, a guy named Jay Ryan. Well, Jay Ryan has an Instagram his Instagram handle is at the bird machine, all one word. And you can just tell the kind of like illustration style. Very graphic. Very Jordan. Very Jordan. Yep. So uh, I followed him on Instagram. I really like his um, illustration style. He does a ton of like um, concert posters and things like that. Oh, yeah. I just really like it. Are they prints? 
a lot of them are. It's okay. It yep. looks it looks like printmaking to yep. me. Yep. He does a lot of like colored pencil. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um. So, I did a little bit more digging. Turns out this guy was part of a band, a very like obscure indie band called Dianoga that mm-hmm. I had listened to back in the early aughts. Somebody had lent me a copy of their album and um i just thought wow that's a weird fun coincidence that like Mm -hmm. he ended up doing this kind of artistic stuff instead all right the last like level of rabbit hole here is that there may be some of you out there maybe one of our listeners heard the word dianoga and thought i know what that is do you know what dianoga is no it is the name of the monster in the first Star Wars movie. Oh, no, Jordan, you don't know me at all. If you would have thought, I would have known that. Do you know when they're in the trash compactor? I know nothing. On the Death Star? You know this about Miss Star they're Wars. They're in the like trash compactor and the walls start closing yeah, in on them. Yeah, I do remember that scene. And that's that weird little monster that comes on like... And, like I don't remember that part. There's like a tentacle monster living in the trash compactor. Okay. That's called a Dianoga. Okay. And they named their band they after that. They named their band after that. Ugh. Yeah. Okay, so popping... So what's the recommendation? <laughs> so popping up a level... My recommendation is this J. Ryan guy. Okay. And his Instagram. Got it. And the Andrew Bird album, The Mysterious Production of yeah. Eggs. But mostly J. Ryan. And also the Star Wars trash compactor scene. Also naming your band after really obscure <laughs> pop culture references. Do you remember our trivia team... In high school, my my trivia team name, yes. the Neo Maxi Zoom Dweebies. Yes. I didn't know for a long time that that was actually a Breakfast Club reference. Yeah, someone explained that to me too. Yeah. That'd be a band name. That's a really That's good a band really name. That's a really obscure band name. Yeah. I love obscure band names. <laughs> I do. I do. I Maybe think. that should be your recommendation. Maybe that is. Yeah. yeah. Obscure band names. That was it. All right. I'll have to look this guy up. Yeah. I love it. He does a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of prints. I would love to have some of his artwork. I'm not saying that as like a hint hint or anything. I just really like his Mm -hmm. style. All right, Kayleen. We did it. We made it. Let's talk about what did you think of this episode? Crap. Really? Yeah. Okay. Go on. (laughs) I just felt bored. I just didn't feel like Dilbert is not enough. It wasn't enough to carry half of the plot of this episode. And the review was not interesting enough to carry the other half of the plot. I see. Like, it was an adequate review that called them reliable and workhorse. Mm -hmm. Like, that is not a conflict. That's Mm. not, you know? Yeah. Like, it would be... Ten times more interesting if they got a glowing review that was, like, almost, like, too good. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Now we're getting all this accolade and fame and people are coming to us. Or it'd be interesting as well if they got a horrible scathing review. Yeah. But, like, because either of those provides, like, some spark of, like, okay, something's going to happen here. Yeah. Saying their, uh, their radio station is fine. How do you consider that to be enough of a, like, interesting plot point to carry an episode? Yeah, it does feel like they could have done 
they needed to do more with it. There needed to be like one more turn or something like that. I, I did like how this very neutral, straight down the middle review ended up being a bit of an insight into the characters of each of the people who read it. So Bill McNeil is arrogant and narcissistic enough that he is going to take everything as I'm wonderful, or at Mm -hmm. least that's how he needs to project it. But of course, deep down, he's got like, you know, (laughs) insecurity tearing him apart. Right. Um, I think Lisa and Catherine both are insecure. We know that about Lisa at the very least. So she is just ready to see this as a negative review, even though there's nothing really negative about Mm -hmm. it. And then Dave also has to sort of like take this very bland, neutral review and spin it into something good to make him feel good about his performance. This isn't a show where I'm supposed to care about the like personalities of these like, oh, these making these characters more three dimensional. Like this is a show that's supposed to entertain me. Sure. Like, give me a silly conflict. Let me see how these characters react to it. Like yeah. I don't need to see another side to their like, oh, like he's saying it's okay to be inadequate because he's actually really insecure. Yeah, I, like, I, 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 all, all I'm all I'm trying to do is shine just a little bit of light on and say, like, okay. One nice thing about this is that you do get some of the characters responding to this Rorschach test of a review in ways that do match up with what their personalities are like. Yeah, I just felt like it was not um, it was not interesting at all. Yeah. Like when I think about these plots, I'm like, I feel like I can think of 10 more interesting things. Like, okay, call, keep it that Bill is adequate, but then Catherine and Lisa get like glowing positive reviews and now and maybe and maybe uh dave's called something bad or whatever right and now you have interpersonal like conflict between them and they're like trying to one-up each other they're trying to gloat or they're trying to whatever and then we find out mr james wrote this just to see them like snipe at each other well yeah yeah. you know like okay that would be funny or like interesting or whatever um and like the Dilbert thing was fine, but I was just like, I don't, it, they didn't really even flesh out like, why does Matthew want to write about this? Like we said, like, does he want to write about the conception of this comic, the actual characters in the comic? Like, what is it? Again, I sometimes I just like, they don't push things far enough. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like. Yeah. And this is one, well, <laughs> that is not typically this show's problem is not carrying it far enough. <laughs> Sure, I guess. Um, I don't know. Oftentimes they will carry it <laughs> quite far. Um, yeah, yeah. so I liked it better than you did. I thought the Dilbert stuff was the stronger stuff. Um, it, it was not super memorable um, apart from Bill. T- Bill taking adequate as a superlative was enjoyable. couple of funny lines. Matthew's weird obsession with Dilbert. Uh, like they had an opportunity. Matthew could have brought a dog into the office and made it like his own and called it Matthew Bert and made it his own. Like he, you know what I mean? Like he wants to be like Dilbert or like, or even. Or he starts wearing a tie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I he gets it. glasses. Yes. And he likes, well, he has glasses. Sure. He gets more obvious, like round glasses and sure. spikes his hair up and like he, they could have just taken it so much further. And also like Matthew quits because. 
That just felt like a weird, like, yes. he walks out. And then Dave won't even read the script. That just felt cruel. Honestly, yeah. I'm kind of out of character for him. Because mm. I feel like of all the characters, Dave is the one that often takes pity on Matthew and mm. tries to, like, give him the benef- benefit of the doubt or whatever. So I feel bad being critical of this show. No, that's fine. So much, but I'm just like... What were they thinking? Yeah, this um, this one I think has some very very good stuff in it, but I think it does not really cohere as a good full episode. Sure. So, Kayleen, you get to pick the units this week. Matthew Burtz. <laughs> On a scale of one to five, Matthew Burtz, what do you give this episode? Uh, one point seven. Okay. I just yeah, it didn't feel like. I know what they were trying to do. Sure. I'm going to give it 2.8 Matthew Burtz. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Below average, but um, still some good stuff in there. Hmm. So for next time, we will be talking about season three, episode three, entitled Massage Chair. (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that The Office... Gets one of those like vibrating massage chairs, and then the whole episode is people fighting over trying to get to sit in it. <laughs> All right, you heard it, folks. I'm correct. <laughs> we'll see. Anything else you want to say? Good night. Good night, nurse. <laughs> For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at wkjppod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.